0: Good morning, Amarillo, Texas. Ernie Johnson back with you. Um, look, I'm in New York, and uh, we're doing March Madness. I know Pastor Kyle is a big Texas Tech fan, big game coming up against Buffalo. That's gonna be tough, uh, but enough about March Madness. Um, I know you're wrapping up the Unscripted series today, and again, I appreciate y'all uh, going through that. It's, a, it's very humbling for me. Um, today, you're gonna learn about Blackberry moments. Uh, this has nothing to do with any kind of mobile device. This actually has to do with actual Blackberries. I'd say more, but I think you'll understand by the end of the day. You all have a great one.
1: So, Ernie and I were texting, and I, I just said, man, thank you again for all you've done. And he goes, hey, I'll shoot you another video. And I said, Ernie, I know you're going to New York. I know you're doing March Madness. you uh, still, by the way, doing all the background work for the MBA stuff as well. And I said, I know you're busy. If you don't do it, that's okay. If you do do it, it's a blessing. Thanks anyway. And last night I got that. And uh, so I'm thankful to Ernie for taking any time out of a crazy schedule uh, just to send us a cool video and to find blackberries. Uh, You'll understand why here in a minute. I believe the Christian experience comes down to two main key factors. Number one, pointing your life and directing it into the life of Jesus Christ. I believe without that movement, you can't say that you're involved anything in the Christian life because we have to be in Christ to be a Christian. And the second is this. When you and I fall in love with Jesus, we'll fall in love with the things he asks us to do. And it leads us to these moments, these, these seasons of life where you and I, We'll pursue what he's always called us to do. Take a look at the screen.
0: Uh, you know, it was a it was a morning game. You know, a hot summer day in uh, in uh, Dunwoody, Georgia, Murphy Candler Park, and I'm the shortstop, and we've got the lead, and they've got two runners on. Eight and nine year old league kid hits a ball over the fence on a hop, ground rule double, tying run score, and and that's. You know, our our coach calls us out to tell us what to do if the ball's hit to us now with the we go ahead, run it second. And we go out to our back to our positions and we look in the outfield, the left fielder and the center fielder are gone. And so, you know, we're eight and nine. We all run out there and we look over the fence because these guys have scaled this chain link fence and, and we can see the ball. And but we can also see them about ten feet away, just eating blackberries that were growing wild out there beyond the fence. And the thing is it wasn't a huge moment. I mean, it, like it happened, and then it was, we said, get over here. We got a game to play, and they did. But then it just became something more. My my father and I always used to tell that story and laugh about it. And and then he would tell it sometimes when he'd be speaking to a to a group. Um, but it was later on that I just, that, that it certainly resonated with me. And I just kind of, it became to me a modern day parable. Uh, it be, just became the story of, of don't miss the things that are out there for you. You know, these two kids had, had found this Blackberry moment. You know, it was a, it was a chance to eat these things and, and step away from the game. So that was, I just started seeing things in my life. Uh, I said, boy, that's a Blackberry moment. Look, when I go to the grocery store, I always buy my wife flowers. Not every time I go because we are, we're always forgetting things. So if it was every time I went, then the—you the, know it would look like a flower shop. But every week, I go to the grocery store and make sure that I buy my wife some flowers. And the first time I had, one of the first times I'd done that, I actually bought two. I was gonna have one here and we'll put another in this part of the house. And I was on my way back to the car and I saw a, a woman who was loading groceries into her car. Um, and and I just, and she was an older woman by herself. And I said, you know what? I'll keep this for Cheryl. I'm just going to give these to her. So I just walked up as she was loading stuff up, and I said, hey, I'd like you to have these flowers. And uh, she said, why? I said, no reason. I said, I bought some for my wife. I got an extra. I'd like you to have them. And she said, I haven't gotten flowers since my husband died a year ago. And I was like, well, I hope this this makes your day better. I drove away from there and I said, that's a Blackberry moment for her. That's something totally out of the blue, something totally unexpected, something that made her day. And so now every time I go to the store I buy two. I buy one for my wife and I buy one for somebody in the parking lot. Because I've seen what it can do. And sometimes it's not that kind of reaction, sometimes it's, oh, that's so nice, thank you. But I can't believe the number of times it's from somebody who takes those and says, it has been the roughest week, thank you so much. Or I've been looking for work for two weeks, this is nice or this is the anniversary, and, and, and this is no exaggeration. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a year today that I got divorced. So it's like, um, I'm just gonna keep on doing that because that's one way of just putting a Blackberry out there. I'm just trying to take the message I got from that Little League field X number of years ago, it's too many for me to count, and, and make sure that it still lives on today, and that uh, somebody may not, may not call it a Blackberry moment, but they'll say it was a moment, uh, and one that came out of the blue and made my day.
1: So let me ask you something. We live in a world that is hurt, that is cynical, that questions the existence of God because they can't see it their eyes have just been blinded to nature to waterfalls to anything oceans prairies and so they search and they search and, and they're out there right now maybe you walked in and that's how you feel well, today, I want to invite you over the fence. I want you to see that God has for you this Blackberry moment. And that he wants to encounter your life in such a way that you wouldn't just take it in and keep it, but that you'd take it in and share it. You remember in Ernie's story, how many boys jumped the fence? Two. Two jumped the fence. But somebody had to go first. Somebody had to jump the fence first to get that ball and go, ah, blackberries. You could almost hear it, couldn't you? Hey, blackberries. And then one became two. This is exactly the movement that Jesus called his disciples to have. It was a join me kind of movement. It was a blackberry moment that has hung on until today. You're here because... Of that Blackberry moment. And so what do we do from here? We spent the last few weeks talking about how God has a better story than the one we're trying to write. We also talked about how we need to learn to trust God, period. And it's difficult, but we want to be there. All of us in this room want to trust God with everything. And we're constantly learning how to Put a period instead of a question mark or even a comma. This week I want to talk to you about seizing your BlackBerry moments with Jesus and with others. Matthew 5, Jesus is preaching and teaching and he he jumps into the 13th verse of Matthew 5 with both feet. And he tells the disciples and those listening in something that he hopes they will understand and get from him. Let's look at it together, Matthew chapter 5, starting at the 13th verse. It says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, And it gives life for all who are in the house in the same way. Let your light shine before others so they might see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. What happens when Jesus' church quits acting like Jesus? The world loses its flavor, it becomes bitter. You ever made cookies before and not put in salt? It doesn't taste good. Salt elevates flavor. It makes things sweeter. It makes things better. You ever eaten at a place that they don't use any salt? They bring out the food and they put it out in front of you. And you go to take a bite and you realize, wow, this whatever can really taste bad. A little salt changes everything. And we have a world today that's looking for sweetness. It's looking for something to hold on to, a hope. It's looking for a plan. It's looking for salvation. It just doesn't know where to find it. And so God gives us church to be salt. And he's asking us to rekindle what we've always supposed to be. It seems to me too often the church as a whole has become nothing but a place to walk upon. It seems like Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 was on to something. When the church quits doing what it should do, it will become the walking post of everything. The world will look at the church for its goodness and only find its bitterness. So let's talk. Christians are called to add true flavor to their world. So you and I are called to do. We're to add flavor to what seems bland, what seems good. We're to add flavor because it's elevated. We just sang a song, we exalt Jesus. We exalt you, O Lord. That means not just in song, that means in action. That means with our lives. We and everything we do point to a source better than ourselves. You ever seen uh, movie stars and athletes go before the Oscars or the ESPYs or whatever, and they stand up in front of people and they say, I would like to thank my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for this award. Without him, I can't do anything. You know why some people put it at the first? Because they mean it. He should be first in our lives. And when he's first in our lives, he takes the highest mantle. He has the first authority. He is the first step. He he really should be our everything, our source and our strength. The trouble we have in faith is this. When you and I keep walking around people that aren't salty for Jesus, we will go for any other flavor first. I, I have a a core concept in my life. That when you want a burger on this side of town, it doesn't matter what burger you get, it's the ice cream attached. <laughs> I, I'm a firm believer, maybe you're not with me, but listen, I, I believe ice cream should come with it because a burger's just the bad part of the cow meat that they grind up and give it to you with cheese on it. But if ice cream's attached, it sweetens the deal. But let's just qualify it a little bit further. If you go to a place like Wendy's and you get that majestic amazingness that's called their ice cream, you have to go with chocolate. Because if you don't go with chocolate, you get something wrong. It shouldn't be anything but that. And I, I argue this with my staff it, you can't go with the vanilla. Vanilla's vanilla. That's what you call people that are boring, they're vanilla. Why are we so okay with living a vanilla Christian life? Why have we been okay without really diving in with Jesus? Because when we do that, we change our world. Jesus called Christians to be world changers. He didn't call them to just be okay or to live in it. Remember, he even says that. You're to be in the world but not of it. We're to change the world. He called his church to be the salt of the earth. We are to elevate the things that are good. You know what also happens? It preserves stuff. My great-grandparents used to store meat salted. They would salt it all down and store it away because it kept and preserved. Well, the church is also to preserve the things that are right. You know what happens if you take something terrible and you put salt on it? It makes it worse it elevates its terribleness. I don't even know if that's a word. I was rehearsing that in my head after I said it. But you and I are called to see the things that are not of God and to elevate that they're not from him. There shouldn't be a mixture for us. It should be defined for us that God called something's good and something sin. And Christians as brothers and sisters in Christ, we're called to salt those things and make them known. Amen. We do this by bearing the fruit of the Spirit. Amen. We do this by bearing the fruit. Here's what that looks like, though, for us Christians. In Christ, we are given an amazing tool for our faith, the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does things in your and I's life that we cannot do on our own, understanding Scripture. Connecting with the Father. Having a true audience. But then there's this thing that's called the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And it says fruit, and then it goes into fruits. Because I believe this. While we talk about all these objects of these fruits, you either produce them or you don't. So it's a fruit. So here they are. Galatians 5, 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. Let's look at it again in verse 22. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. The most misunderstood word in our world. I love burritos. I do. Bean and cheese all day long. I love burritos. But I also love my wife. But I would not say that I would trade her for a burrito. <laughs> love is misunderstood, isn't it? I, in India, we went to a temple, the higher Krishna temple. It's where the Beatles went to learn all about the other faith, learn the sitar. And they sang a song, all you need is love. But they didn't understand it. We, we watch movies all the time about, uh, maybe you watch Hallmark Channel. Let me tell you what the movie's about. Girl meets a guy that she does not like. Runs into him anywhere, bakery, airport, cab, anywhere. Hates him. She's engaged or dating another guy. Good guy. Nice guy. Falls in love with the first guy. They get married. End of Hallmark movies. <laughs> Change all the other stuff. It's like Mad Lib doesn't change. You just add all the extra stuff. So we watch all these movies about love, but we don't get it because we're trying to find love in every other source except through the work of God and the work of the Holy Spirit because it's a fruit, love. The other is joy. Joy is something that everybody's trying to pursue. We pursue it through money, through personality, through popularity, whatever we can. We want to be joyful, We want the opportunity to look like Mr. Rogers when he walks in the door every day and sings a song and changes shoes and cardigans. But but we can't find it because we keep pursuing it outside of God, love, joy, peace. Boy, if you want to know what a lack of peace looks like, watch the news for 10 seconds. Every news starts with the same thing, a lack of it. Because the world is trying to find it. We have a hand signal for it. My dad's generation asked for it. But we couldn't find it outside of Jesus. Love, joy, peace, patience. I've heard someone say one time, don't pray for patience. Let me just tell you something. You don't have to pray for patience. God's going to give it to you. I'll just be honest with you. How many of y'all ever pray, God, I just wish I had more patience? No, he's going to give you opportunities to produce it because it's a fruit of who he is. You're going to grow patience, and he's going to put you in a situation where he can give you his patience because our patience is terrible. We're better at being a patient than being patience. Man, it's crazy. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. We live in a generation now, whether we know it or not, where kindness is being searched for everywhere. We call it injustice, by the way. Well, you're not kind to me, so I'm going to sue you. I don't believe that Christians should lay down, by the way. I want you to hear this for a second. I do not believe anywhere in Scripture it calls for Christians to always take it on the chin when it's against God's word. I can't find that. In fact, if anything, God calls us to uphold his word. But here's where we're supposed to do it. In kindness and in love. Two gifts. that are inside the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Without it, we don't have it. World can't produce it. They can try it. They're lousy at it. You know why? They don't have the tools to do the job. It would be like if you called me and said, Kyle, I'm having car problems, and I showed up with stuff to work on your plumbing at the house. You would go, excuse me, you brought the wrong tools. The world is trying to bring the wrong tools to the wrong situation because they don't got it. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Goodness is one of those things that we miss in scripture. Because only God is So how can anybody pursue goodness outside of him? It's an attachment to God's nature. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Let me tell you something. God is calling on faithfulness for us to him and he equips us to do it. Wouldn't that be nice if in our other relationships we had spouses, co-workers, bosses, teachers, classmates, whoever it is, you showed up one day and they went, hey, so uh, you're going to mess things up today. You know, if April came to me and she goes, okay, Kyle, uh, you're going to say something today and you're going to be a jerk. So I'm going to give you flowers now. Give them to me later. I'd be like... Probably already did it, so there you go. (laughs) Faithfulness is the ability for God to give you the tools to be faithful to Him so that the world can see that you look like Him. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Gentleness is the ability for you and I to show people the love of God in a way that He would show it. Because on our own, we're jerks we we just don't have it. We're judgmental, we're rude, we're self-seeking. All the things that God clarifies that he is, we're not. So we need him. So we're gentle, we're we're compassionate towards him. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If you think any way that you can be perfected before God, you're wrong. I've heard people say, I will fix myself and then I'll come to God. You can't. You just can't. You're going to be as broken then as you are right now. You know why? No self-control. And it is perhaps something if you're not in Christ, you don't know him as Savior and Lord, you see the church and you go, they don't have it either. I can just tell you this. Fellowship with Jesus. He is constantly working towards perfecting us. And we make lousy Jesuses. None of us in this room make a good Jesus. Uh, When I was in high school, we did a a sunrise service for Easter, and every year we we would try and perfect it. The school I was going to allowed us to use their football field, and so we would pile up into the stands, and we would have different churches lead worship, and on the far side of the field, we would do a passion play. You know, far enough that you couldn't really tell up close what was going on, but like we had a, a cross that we would raise up and, and put into place and then the lights would go out and it was still early. And so Jesus would climb up on the cross and he'd hold on to pegs and stand on a platform. And from the football field, it looked like we would put Jesus on the cross. And we'd sing a song and we would hit on metal so it sounded like nails being driven through wood. It was, it was something. And for years, I had been one of the, the centurions. You know, I stood out there with my helmet on. Freezing in the cold with a hoodie on, you know it's cold. And my best friend's dad was Jesus because he had a beard. Because that's what we qualify for Jesus characters in that far away is. Do you have a beard? you play a good Jesus. Well, then one year he couldn't do it. He's a police officer and he is out of town. And they said, Kyle, you get to be Jesus. And I was like, Yay! And I got up on the cross, and I'm standing there and I'm freezing. And I look down and my buddies are standing looking at me. And they're like, (laughs) because you had to wear like this unitard um, to stand up there like Jesus. And I'm like, oh, this is cold. And on the other side, my mom is looking and going, that's my son. And it hit her differently than it did me. Because in that moment, I realized I made a lousy Jesus. And maybe today you realize this too. The Bible says that no one even seeks God. That on our best, we seek ourselves constantly. And God is wooing us and calling us and saying, I'm here, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He cries out and says, whosoever will me, come. He's crying out to you today saying, you're not too far gone. You just make a lousy Jesus. And so you don't have to fix yourself for him. You can just come and he takes us in when i was growing up there was a little girl who was playing in her backyard and fell down a well in her backyard some of y'all remember watching the news of baby jessica um took them forever to get that little girl up by the time they got her she had been bloodied and muddied do y'all remember they found some really thin man to go down the hole? That was finally the, the way that they got her out. They, they talked about digging a tunnel, but they thought it might collapse. They were passing down crackers and things to her, and she would cry out for her mom and her dad. And no one could save her except this man. He was so thin, he climbed down the thing and he grabs her up. He said when he picked her up, she put her face into his chest. And for a few seconds, he, he just held her because she was shivering and cold. And they started pulling him up, and he held on to her. Those of y'all that remember the picture, as they come up out of the tunnel, this man's shoulders were thin, and he came up with baby Jessica in his hands. And everybody cheered, yay. The best you and I can do is stay in the hole. The best you and I can do is be muddy and bloodied. We needed a man to come into the place for us. That, that hole that we were in was sin. And the Bible says it separates us from God. True freedom. Could have been a different story. They couldn't have found a man. She would have died in that, that hole. We wouldn't get to celebrate her. It wouldn't have been a victory. But see, God sent a man for you. And he was the perfect fit for our sin. And Jesus didn't just stay back and yell down the hole, you're going to have to climb up. Use your little baby hands. He said, I'm coming down to get you. And he did. And he celebrates the fact that he can for you. God says it pleased him to crush Christ on our behalf. It pleased God so much that he would climb into a hole for you and I. And we're walking towards that day in our calendar year. We call it Good Friday. You know what makes it good is that on that day our sin's price was paid. But on Easter, we celebrate that it didn't stay in a tomb. I want to ask you a question. What will you do with your days leading towards Easter? Will you change the story of people around you? Will you do, as the scripture tells us, will Christians be that guiding light towards Jesus? Will you seize your Blackberry moments? Will you take your todays to be Easter kind of people? Or will you simply stand on the other side of the fence and hope someone else gets it. Let me just tell you this. Your neighbors, your coworkers, your classmates will never have a Blackberry moment until you jump the fence. You are called to be the salt and the light of the world. Quit hiding your light. Quit being trampled in your faith. Stand up and give this world the goodness of God. And show them the way that God gave you. Be salt and light. And seize your BlackBerry moments. I want to end with this. I, I toyed back and forth in my office this morning about running to a store and getting a bunch of BlackBerries. Had them just ready for you. I started thinking logistically. I don't know if you've ever eaten a BlackBerry. Maybe you're a pro at BlackBerries. But you know this. If you grab a blackberry and you go to eat it, what gets on your fingers? Blackberry. Does it come off? No, it doesn't. You stay purple for a while. Because it affects you. And I thought, that's just a nightmare I don't want to face. Because I know your kids and grandkids would come to you with purple faces. You'd say, we're never going back to Quell Creek again. They made my kid look like a freak. (laughs) May the world notice that we've been around Jesus. In such a way, may we touch and affect their lives in such a way that it leaves a mark. Be the salt and light of the world. It's what Easter kind of people do. Today, if you don't know Jesus, you can't exhibit those gifts of the Spirit. That fruit that he has can't be found in our lives. And maybe you've been pursuing that and wanting that. And you've been trying at it with everything else. Today, if you want love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in your life, it only comes through the work of Jesus dying for us. So today, if you don't know him, I want to invite you into a relationship with him. Come jump the fence with me. Come see that he's not as good as he said he is. I promise you he is. Maybe today you would just say, you know what, Kyle, I don't know if I've been the salt in the light of the world like I should be, and I want to be. I wanna be contagious with Jesus. Maybe today as we worship, I'll invite you to two places. Here in a minute we're gonna stand, that's your first place. Your second place may be here up front just kneeling and praying, you'll see other people. And maybe today you would just say, Lord, I'm tired of living my Christian faith without salt and light. I wanna be that. I wanna be Blackberry moments for people today. And you know what, when you leave here, as you go to your car today, Seize that moment. Take it today. Let someone see Jesus today in you. Let me pray for you. Father in heaven, I pray, Lord, that you would ignite our hearts, Lord, to pursue you with all we've got. Lord, we need you. And so does our world. Lord, our neighbors need you. Our coworkers, our bosses, our classmates, our teachers need you. And so, Lord, help us to fall in love with you all over again. Lord, you give us faithfulness as a work of the Holy Spirit, so help us to be faithful. God, let us be the love and joy that you've always called the world to see. And Lord, may they be captivated by the Blackberry moments that this body of believers is going to start living out in front of others in our world. May Amarillo never be the same, and Lord, may they be pointed to you. Lord, thank you for this moment that we can take with you, a Blackberry moment in our lives, or you can continue a work in us. Lord, as we worship you now, may we respond deeply with our hearts. Lord, lead us towards your heart. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.